0: We're on Hollywood Boulevard.
1: Here we are in the present, uh, but still talking about things past tense a little bit. Karen, how are you doing?
0: Um, a little tired, but I'm okay.
1: All right, life is uh taking its toll as it does.
0: Yes, it really is. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get in the DeLorean and go back. Yes,
1: but we're not talking about Back to the Future now, are we? We're no, talking we're about not. something else. Still going back to the 80s, but Karen has now completely caught up to Stranger Things.
0: So better late than
1: never, let's talk about season four.
0: God, it was good.
1: And I'm so glad you think that, especially since, as I found out recently, you were kind of bummed by season three.
0: I was bummed by season three and almost didn't watch season four because I was so bummed about it. But then you and other people were like, no, no, no. You will enjoy season four, and I was like, okay, and then I was like, why? Yes, I am enjoying season four. It was really freaking good.
1: Yeah, it was really good, really enjoyable. I uh, I really appreciate um, the introduction of the Eddie character.
0: Oh, Eddie was great.
1: Um, yeah, and you know, like I had said, I liked that they found a way to sort of broaden, um, the overall canvas of the show in a way that I think worked. Um, sometimes I wished some characters got to interact with others more than they did because they were all off in different parts of the country and the world. Um, you know, but it was a lot of fun. And you. Yeah. Know, I also appreciated the kind of overarching theme of the season is a big homage to nightmare on Elm street. And as a big yeah. fan, I was taken by that. Yeah. We even get, I think it's two months plus since um, those episodes were dropped. So spoilers are okay. Uh, we get a nice Robert England cameo, which I deeply appreciated.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I think, I think that, I don't know. I don't kind of don't know where I feel like Stranger Things lost their way um, last season, but it felt like it didn't, Sort of like like the whole premise of Stranger Things was to kind of hang on these iconic pop culture, whether not moments, but whether it's a book or a this or a that, like the, the sort of iconic pop culture things from the eighties, right? So
1: well, I'm it, sure I'm forgetting things, but I know I remember last season their big thing was the mall. So rather than like something yeah. in entertainment, it was the concept of the mall, right?
0: And I don't, I don't think that worked. Mm you know, I don't, I don't think that that worked at all. I mean, I think that it was, it was funny because yeah, kids back then we hung out at the mall, but I think that it didn't, it didn't lend the sort, the same sort of like fantasy element. I think that I kind of really appreciated running through the whole thing and almost, I don't know, I liked the way it always seemed to be like walking into a Stephen King book or a Stephen King movie. And I think that yeah, that mall yeah. theme, like you just lost that there, there wasn't any of that to kind of go with.
1: Yeah. So I, um I think that with the introduction of our new big bad Vecna, that is very much like a scene, like something from it. I do feel like we're walking through Stephen King's it with, with that storyline.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and I always and I felt like we were always walking through something like some sort of like some sort of Stephen Kingy or 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 even even like you had brought up Nightmare on Elm Street, like because you got to also remember like the eighties. Yes, it was like Stephen King heyday, but it was also that sort of like classic decade. It was it was the decade for classic slasher films. Totally, you know, yeah. this was the decade that brought us Freddy Krueger and Jason and or were those the 70s but i feel like they were really th- yeah more they're they're, than they're the vintage 80s. 80s yeah 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 michael you know.
1: myers predates it a little but then he kept coming back and killing more in then people he kept the coming 80s, back and yeah so and it got it
0: bigger to... and bigger you yeah. know and so that was sort of like the golden age of slasher films and and i and i think that that was a thing that stranger things did really well was kind of homage all of these um classic horror like horror genre um artists yeah, yeah. and 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 that was lost in season three and i think that the and i think that that and i think i think that's what ultimately how it ultimate how they ultimately lost their way
1: yeah i think that's valid um it was also i mean i think it's fair to say this is a much darker season right
0: um i mean i think I mean, I guess, like, I think they all got pretty, get pretty dark, but I guess we haven't seen... I feel
1: like, I feel like season one was dark, because it was really trying to do something...
0: Yeah, we had a kill, like, right at the beginning, yeah.
1: But, um, but I feel like seasons two and three got a little more family-friendly, which, like, still at a PG-13 level, um, but I feel like this is dark. I mean, there's definitely, we have teens just being killed by this force throughout the season. Right. Right.
0: Yeah, I guess. I mean, I guess there was sort of more for seasons two and three. There was more of an E.T. quality to, if we're going to, you know, keep going um, with with the 80s films. There was a little bit more of an E.T. quality to the show and not so much Stephen King, right?
1: Well, but like, if you do want to take the Stephen King thread further, I will say there was a maybe a stand-by-me element. A stand-by-me
0: element, element, yeah. To okay, those fair, earlier fair ones and now we're definitely
1: point. in like, you know...
0: It the stand. Or like, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I also really love how they definitely leaned into the whole Cold War.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. With this.
0: Um that they I mean they kind of did before, but now it was like they, they really leaned into it.
1: And I like how they brought back some of their players, like I mean not not the kids or the parents, but like Paul Riser and Matthew Modine. Um yeah, I was
0: a fan. Yeah, I it's, was too.
1: It's a lot of fun.
0: I was too. I, I you know, and and it was sort of I got this such a kick. I mean, and also cuz I'm like working on a on a project right now, um on a on a, a story and the satanic panic conversation happened and I love that this episode or, or this series, the series the season, I should say, picked up on that because that was also such a huge part of the 80s yeah, of it like really this, was. yeah of like satanic panics just following the kids around and you know the music you listen there's some to little and, messages yeah, yeah yeah and it was sort of crazy to sort of think about how um and i think i think oh my god was it is this a cult there was a podcast that I listened to and I feel like it might've been, is this occult, But now I'm not quite sure if I remember, but I wanted to give them props that this was a conversation. Oh no, it wasn't. Is this occult? Oh crap. Now I can't remember the name of it, but they do a deep dive into, um, into things that we think we know, but we don't really know. That's sort of like you think mm-hmm. you have the story and you're like, well, actually that's not the story. This is the real story. It's like one of those podcasts and they did an episode on the satanic panic and how it started and how it ended up kind of overtaking the country. And it was really fascinating. And I wish I could remember like the points, but, but it was like, <laughs> you know, but it was really great that they, um, that they remembered that that happened because I think a lot of people have forgot about that. That's like, kind of like this odd little footnote.
1: Yeah. I mean, I definitely sort of bore witness to it myself and it was, it did seem like it was everywhere.
0: Yeah. Because yeah. I
1: was I was very young at the time, but it really did sound like the music had this power.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And parents were afraid of it. Yeah. It was so weird. I know. You know, and I think I mean, interestingly, I think that there was definitely some sort of like racist undertones because a lot of this was happening as rap yeah. started yeah. to grow. And and that's when we started getting the um the sort of ratings labels slapped on. Slapped on the albums. Thank you. Tipper Gore. Yes. Yeah. Came from Tipper Gore, you know, um, but, but I wonder if that also wrapped because people, you know, the white middle-class America was so scared of rap music that, um, you know, it sort of, it feels like it, it accelerated things. Um, even though a lot of the satanic panic was wrapped around, you know, heavy well, metal. It, started,
1: it really did start, I think around metal music. And then I think, as, as like rap and then hip hop really came to the forefront, it really shifted, I think, to all of that. Yeah. Because then you could say like, well, you know, these, a lot of these songs are frightening us because they're talking about like, you know, like the devil, but now it's they're talking about violence and guns and cops and stuff like that. And the danger is there. So the, 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 that whole censorship conversation just migrated right over.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't remember what came first. If it was the, the issue you know, the, the concern with rap or if it was the satanic panic.
1: Yeah. But not to worry. The racism always finds a way.
0: Yeah, it does. It, it doesn't have to
1: does. start there, but it'll find it.
0: it. It absolutely does. Um.
1: But that's totally, and that's, I mean, there's actually a lot of, of racial stuff in the in the season
0: um i'm trying to remember
1: uh like with um lucas and that whole gang of like the jocks
0: did you i didn't read that i didn't see that i didn't notice that for some reason
1: yeah, yeah, I thought um, that was definitely a part of it. In the, in the way, and also the way the parents were reacting. Um, yeah, I got a taste of that.
0: Huh, interesting, because I actually didn't get a taste of that. And I but thought there's that also that was a whole class one...
1: thing, because we've got Eddie at the trailer park.
0: Right, there, that was a little bit more, and I actually remember thinking, like, huh. You know, when the jock thing happened, I was like, oh, I wonder what they're going to do with this, and then it never...
1: It, yeah, it, never it doesn't sort of came to anything. It didn't come to anything. Um, but yeah, I guess I guess what I'm saying, the racial stuff, m- maybe I misremembered a little bit, but it's a lot about like the t- sort of like toxic white masculinity, because they sort of as they lead the charge to thinking that there are not supernatural elements that are causing the murders and Hawkins, they really do sort of uh, galvanize the town um, as like the rich white boys with the with the power to persuade
0: yeah and i think that that was also kind of a trope throughout the 80s too throughout 80s entertainment was that sort of like the rich jockey boys could always like galvanize the town to their favor and then the misfits were always sort of beat up because of it you know and not only beat up physically by the jocks at school but also metaphorically by the adults in the town who saw them as losers or whatever um and and elevated the sort of like badly behaving jocks to a different you know a different level right you know and and lucas was sort of like part of that in crowd for a hot minute you know like he has to make a conscious
1: choice to detach himself from it
0: yeah and like because the kids get like those kids get busted like drinking by the cops at that like weird little like pizza place or whatever the abandoned pizza place where they that they turned into a hangout and the cops like don't do anything to the kids because they're the superstars of the school right and that was always like the thing that happened back in the 80s where those kids were always given a free pass whereas kids like eddie were basically, like, immediately, like, in trouble. Yeah. Yeah, like, they were immediately in trouble. They were targeted by the kids, and they were also targeted by the adults.
1: So, yeah, anything else?
0: Um, no, I just really loved the season. Yeah, and we well, do have back one on board. more, right? We we got that's according got one to them. More.
1: There's a fifth season. I think it's supposed to be a year from now. It will probably end up being two or three years from now. Um, and I bet they have not figured out one lick of what the plot should be yet.
0: Uh, well, here's my question: Do do you? Um, well, now I just forgot what my question was. Oh, did you like the? longer episodes that we got at the end?
1: Um, Honestly, I feel like none of the episodes from the original batch or the last two needed to be as long as they were. I think if you cut all of them by some amount, they would have been just as effective. But I was happy enough to keep watching. I don't think I got I don't think they needed to be feature length. No. Yeah, I mean,
0: I just was wondering how, and just I didn't mind so much that they were feature feature length, but I just feel like we had to like only watch half, like that was like because we just were like we we just didn't have time to watch the whole thing, right, in in one sitting, and so it because it yeah. was it was yeah. a commitment, you know, like by the time we actually were ready to sit down and start watching, it was like eight thirty, and now we're gonna be. You know, and now it's like, okay, now we're going to be up really late if we watch the whole thing. You know, it just became like a real commitment. And I'm just kind of wondering, um, you know, should they have broken this down to more episodes and shorter? um, Or should they have just cut down the episodes a little bit? Did it get a little too self-indulgent? I mean, I guess at points, um, you know, particularly with like Eleven's backstory... I think they were a bit self-indulgent there. Yeah, I agree. Um and and so, and that was the stuff that while it was really fascinating to sort of see it, it was also a little bit like can we get on with this please?
1: Yeah, no, I think it was point blank self-indulgent. Um and I uh, from what I've heard like they were really writing and editing all of these episodes until the very last minute. Like the two that dropped around 4th of July weekend, the day it dropped, I think, they were still making edits. Like, I think Netflix even edited something to the episodes that had dropped after some people had already seen them.
0: Oh, my God. So why? I don't know
1: why. I don't know why they can't figure this shit out ahead of time. But I had read that, so I don't know. Which tells me that they don't have a full end game. they don't have it all planned out, and that they don't have the supposedly fifth and final season all, all s- structured out. So it's all kind of, I think a mystery to them as well. How exactly they're going to keep it going. Wow. Which is weird. I'm that not sure why. Weird. That is
0: weird. Huh? Anyway. Um, should we do the spoiler, spoiler, spoiler?
1: Yeah. Cause okay. We're going to warn you guys right now. Here we are about 16 minutes into the podcast. Uh, <laughs> I think in about 10 seconds, we're going to do a spoilery, spoilery, spoilery thing. Um, so maybe fast forward for, I don't know, four to five minutes to be safe.
0: If you don't want to hear the spoiler. Okay, here comes the spoiler. I was so sad when they killed off Addie.
1: Okay, but do you think he's really dead, dead? That's
0: what I was going to ask you. If you die in the Upside Down, are you really dead?
1: I don't think there are hard and fast rules at all to the Upside Down. This is what I think. First of all, I was surprised they killed him off, even though Alyssa was like, yeah, they're definitely going to kill off Eddie. <laughs> because, because I feel like typically they introduce new characters to keep them around. Like, um, uh, whatchamacallit, Sadie Singh's character. They brought her in, I think, season two, and then she was a major thing throughout this season. Um, I don't think maybe they knew what a hit Eddie was going to be, how popular the character was going to register with all the fans. Mm -hmm. And so I think now that they know that, they're probably going to find a way to reintroduce him for season
0: five. Okay. Because, I mean, I thought it was really ballsy. Like, because I was like, this was, you knew that they had to kill somebody off in this episode. And you also, and I was wondering if it was going to be like our fab five, right? Like, was it going to be... The original kids.
1: Alyssa thought for sure it was going to be Steve.
0: Oh, they would never do that. They would never I do thought,
1: that. I thought they had their chance when Steve first went to the Upside Down in like episode six or seven, whichever it was. I feel like if this isn't when they sacrifice him, then they have missed then their chance not and that's to. it. Then, yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. then that, they're not going to do it again or they shouldn't do it again. Right. Um, and I don't know who else I thought it could be. So separately, I still think it was kind of a mistake the way they killed off Hopper at the end of season three, which was a great move, only to immediately tell us at like the very end of the season that he's really not dead. Right. I would have rather really thought all this time he was dead and Joyce was sad, rather than knowing he'll be back and everyone will see each other again. Um, I don't know who else it could have been
0: i mean i guess i kind of thought maybe it was going to be robin played by maya hawk yeah but i feel like at one point i thought that but you know what it almost made made sense because for for it to to be um oh my god i just lost his name um steve steve no not steve eddie Eddie, Eddie. Um, you know, it almost made sense for it to be Eddie because you can't kill off the kids like you can't they They are the heart and soul, right? Of the of the Yeah, of the I, I
1: agree. Then it's then it's no longer the same show.
0: Right. And even though Eddie captured everyone's hearts in a way, it kind of made sense to kill him off because you, because we would have been devastated if one of the kids died, right? Yeah. And I don't think that we would have been devastated if anybody else died. So they gave us a character to really root for, like we root for the kids, but what is not the kids, to kill him off.
1: Yeah. And then... And so there's poignancy to that, but also he doesn't have other connections. Like, he doesn't have siblings or parents that we have met. Right. Like, it's it's not okay, but it's it's like, we can feel the loss, but we can also not be so sad by the fact that other people might miss him. Also, we're coming up on about four minutes, so I, we should probably wrap up the spoilery part okay.
0: now. But I hope that you're right and that they bring... I hope
1: I'm hoping the same. We time will tell. Uh, I, I will, I will make a prediction now and say that what I said is what I think will happen.
0: Okay. Well, I hope that you're right. But anyway, if anybody is dragging their feet for stranger things, season four, highly recommend two thumbs up, definitely have some quibbles with it, but I, all in all, I think it was a fantastic season and, um, I really enjoyed it.
1: Yeah. And also, if you guys have Netflix, it's one of the few things I find worth watching on Netflix right now. So uh, make use of your subscriptions and watch it.
0: Agreed. Even Virgin River is grating on my nerves right now. Oh, really? Well, yeah. I'm going to be
1: in less of a rush to even embark on it.
0: Yeah. First first season was great. I, I still highly recommend that. But anyway, um, yay Stranger Things.
1: And another great thing about Stranger Things is that it's bringing some... Of Doug's favorite songs from the '80s back into the yes pop it forefront.
0: is yes it is including Master of Puppets that was the yeah big I was one. gonna
1: ask did you see some of the stuff that Metallica has been doing now to I like have hop right not. on the Stranger Things bandwagon I well, have apparently not. there was a whole thing where they played with Joseph Quinn
0: that I heard but I I, okay. I, I did not actually hear it but I did hear that yeah and like they've been like passing.
1: wearing Stranger Things or are they uh, what's the name of the like the Dungeons and Dragons group. Again, you've seen it more recently
0: than Hellfire I have. Club.
1: The Hellfire Club. They have shirts now. They're wearing those shirts.
0: Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's so really that, I mean, cute.
1: that sort of synergy I think is really fun.
0: I think it is. Commercial
1: cute. as it may be, uh, it's cool because it's it's a fusion of entities I really like and respect. Yeah, and you know so, what? I fun.
0: mean, from what I understand, from what I have been reading about it, like um Hetfield is a fan of the show so it's I not so. Yeah. so it's not and it, and it feels genuine because like I will say those guys are like kind of hard asses when it comes to their songs and yeah. their oh, music yeah. Yeah. so like license I feel like licensing the song was kind of a to, to Stranger Things was kind of a big deal
1: yeah I don't imagine that would have been a given
0: yeah, so um, you know, even though I, I I have seen some like news reports kind of like trickling out about like Stranger Things revitalizing the has been banned Metallica's blah blah blah, and oh, I'm like, oh, has Are been banned? me? <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, wait, who's writing that? What? What? I'll
1: tell you who's writing it. Twenty two year olds.
0: I mean, I guess like this sort of like I'm like, oh my god, like I don't think like I think Metallica still is selling out arenas and shit. So go sit down
1: yeah i uh i think they're still as robust as they've been for the last 40 years
0: yeah yeah like there was this like one passing article where i was like what there was like re- you know reinvigorating the has-been band and you're like like so, what wait what 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 um it was that was very weird um but yeah um so metallica
1: so metallica um and then we have kate bush
0: And we have Kate Bush. My God, what a. That was kind of crazy.
1: So, and I think we've talked about this before. Are you one of those people who is like, I love this stuff? It bothers me a little bit when, like, the masses at large grab onto it? Or are you generally just happy that more people know what this is?
0: I mean. I'm happy for Kate Bush, right? Yeah, that's like exactly
1: she, my that's exactly my answer.
0: Girlfriends getting paid, right? Yeah. Like Well, like it's all she, of
1: it. It's it's yeah, obviously she's profiting from it, which is fantastic. But it's also like beyond just yeah, this has always been a fantastic song from a great album, but like I'm legitimately glad more people just know it.
0: Well, and she is profiting from it majorly. Like I, I can't remember exactly what the terms were but she is actually a very astute business person and so she has the rights to her songs Mm -hmm. so it's not some weird ass record label that's taking all the profits the bulk of this money that she is making from streaming and purchases and all of that are going to her production company
1: fantastic
0: This is not going to like, you know, I don't know, Universal Records or like what this isn't going to some big corporation. Because however she struck the deal, she was able to maintain a lot of control and the rights to her music. So that's the other part of it that I feel like is such a like a great story because you hear so many stories of like artists getting fucked and yeah. um they, and in yeah, this... they
1: really don't reap any of the monetary yeah. benefit yeah yeah
0: and and like and you always hear like now like bands have signed for so long like bands signed such shitty deals because they were so excited to get deals that like and they'd go on tour and they'd end up owing the record label money even if their tour sold out because the of just the prohibitive costs that yeah. were attached to touring um you know and and the and the record label just you know sort of preying on on artists and that she was able to avoid that somehow um particularly i think at a time when the industry was definitely preying on artists although maybe that was more of like a 90s thing i don't know
1: i think it still happens
0: but it's still or a now thing right um but yeah i can't remember where i heard this um it but but um I don't remember where I heard it. It was definitely a podcast, and I remember being like, "That is really g- good. Good on her." Yeah, yeah, great for her. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I'm very happy for her, and I think that it. I think that was a great use of the song, and, and the song is kind of yeah. forgotten.
1: Yeah, and it's amazing how I don't, f- I don't remember thinking about it then the way I do now. It feels genuinely like pop music in ways that it didn't to me in the 80s
0: well it was such a I mean the 80s it it was just such a different sound right like it aged very well yeah it definitely aged very well and I'm just I'm like I just want to know like how did they come up with that song they must be fans right I guess. I mean, I guess it's kind of like, you know, how Eric Kripke uses music really well. I kind of feel like the Upper Brothers do too, you know, Um, because that that was the perfect song. That was the perfect song. The perfect song to use.
1: So, yeah, if you watch Stranger Things, you will hear Running Up That Hill a lot, but um, I'm all for it.
0: And I think that they might have used like some like remixes. So it wasn't always like the same running up that hill. Like, I feel like every time that it played, it was like a little bit different. Oh, maybe they really? were using Is a remix. Oh, really? Is that true? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, or maybe not every single time, but a couple of times. I was like, oh, I think they're using a remix. I don't know okay. that that's the original.
1: Okay.
0: But I could be wrong. I could be wrong.
1: Either way, great. Uh, great example of them reaching back to the period they covering and finding very, very era and emotionally appropriate song to, to
0: use. Yeah, it was it was really it was really well done. Um, but it begs the question.
1: Uh,
0: the question. The question. Um. In my in my travels, um, I would say in the past week, I kept sort of running across whether it was an article or a part, podcast and like industry um, industry content and through the industry content machine, talking about um, old old properties, old entertainment properties being resurrected now, and how is that affecting? the new artists so for example um there's a sub stack called the honest broker by ted uh goya i i think i'm saying his name wrong g-i-o-i-a joya? I goya? Think it's goya. is it joya i and don't know
1: for sure that's how i hear it
0: and he and and his he had this question is old music killing new music and i was like well this is kind of fascinating and so basically he's saying in the music business all the growth that's happening is coming from back catalogs. Um, and that basically all of the record labels have decimated their a departments and they're simply relying on old music and old songs and reissuing them and licensing them and all of those other things to make their money and they are not spending any money on developing new artists. And he even made the point, like the way that you, like there are record stores are doing like, you know, great business because they're selling vinyl. But the music that they're selling on vinyl, it's all used albums or it's all like reissues of old artists. Oh. Um, and so I thought that it was really kind of interesting um, his take on it and then you sort of think about like the reboot for, you know the rebooting movies like what was like the top grossing movie this summer was the top gun reboot um and then you also can yeah. look at it from rebooting tv shows as well which has not been as successful um i don't think when with the you know it, it sucks in the city is they they can keep saying it. It was like the best thing ever. I don't think that that was reboot was successful. Um, Dynasty reboot. Didn't make it two seasons. Maybe made it three. I don't know. No, no dynasty.
1: It, it went like five or six. No one on talked one? about it, but I think it may still even be going on now. Yeah, I think ah. it, I think it is, but, but there's been plenty of others. I mean, the Murphy Brown one was DOA, which is a real shame. Um, you know, I think it's, a mix because there's you know like cobra kai is a success although that's sort of a cross pollination um
0: yeah like i feel like but i think most of them do not
1: land and do not last long
0: yeah yeah i mean because again cobra kai did something different but it's still trading on nostalgia right like i feel like there's a lot of this sort of like you know we're, we're trading on nostalgia to um to sort of sell these things rather than creating something new. There, I
1: mean the, the to the overall point, the answer is yes, we are we are the world, the powers that be whoever is not really creating fresh ideas for our entertainment. Um, to that point, I read today that they are making a six part TV reboot. Of the great Italian film Cinema Paradiso.
0: Who's and doing that? I hope it's HBO.
1: Uh, I want to say Hulu, but don't hold me to that. Um, and Selena Gomez is gonna produce a reboot of Working Girl. Which <sighs> cannot possibly work out of its time and place.
0: No, it can't. And it's it just really gonna go, can't. it'll
1: it's just gonna go somewhere and sit there. Like it's not. It won't have a following. It won't pierce the culture. No one will talk about it. We won't do anything of the sort with it.
0: I mean, at what point, or do you think it's over? Like, do you think we're never going to have original? Like, do you think that this is just we're just going to keep recycling, recycling, recycling? Because I see it even on Broadway, right? Like, what's the big hit show right now? Into the Woods. What y- do you know what I mean? Like that. Yeah,
1: I mean, I will. I I kind of want to emphasize that there's a difference between revivals and like an adaptation that I will view as a reboot. So like, I think Beetlejuice on stage as a musical, and I think Mean Girls and Waitress on stage as musicals is kind of more along that line of thinking that there are no fresh ideas, but they Mm -hmm. don't translate to lasting shows. Like eight years from now, no one's going to be touring in, you know, Beetlejuice. Like no one's going to be doing a song from Sister Act, the musical, that sort of thing. There are other examples, I'm sure, that are better for this conversation. But yeah, I think, and I think we've been heading this way for a long time now, where it's like, we will not really have a return to that kind of ingenuity for our entertainment.
0: I mean, see, this is actually where I kind of appreciate that Beetlejuice and Waitress and all of that are able to do that transfer to Broadway, because otherwise, We're just gonna keep getting Stephen Sondheim. Not that like he isn't amazing, but like you know, if you are gonna have the same three composers, regurgitate a lot. We're just it's gonna be like the same people over and over again, and we're and that's not leaving room for new talent. Um, Yeah, I think that's a
1: major. I think it's a major problem. Where do the new voices and new visions get to roost? And I don't have an answer.
0: Exactly. And like, that's the thing, like, you know, and that's where I feel like, well, at least with Waitress or with Beetlejuice, you have maybe book writers who were not necessarily tested or music writers that were, you know, a little bit younger or, you know, I mean, granted maybe you're just using like a pop soundtrack, like MJ, but you know, um, sure, but, but there are still, you know, at least some of those, like those shows are giving opportunity to maybe, new talent who wouldn't necessarily have a shot if this was something original that sort of sprung from their brains right like they would never have a shot on broadway um whereas like we're just going to keep having like you know guys and dolls or Mm -hmm. oklahoma or you know like all of the same it's like there are more than 15 musicals in the world and it just feels like they keep like i feel like at this point this is my third time around with into the woods yeah maybe number four
1: um uh third on broadway in 35 years that's for sure
0: okay so then it's definitely my third time okay so so three times around with into the woods yeah and i felt the same way about um oh god i remember being like oh they're doing this again i know i can't remember what it was
1: is it Amazon redoing Lord of the Rings? Because we don't need that.
0: No, but we don't need that. No, but I was thinking about like Broadway. But no, we absolutely do not need that. We don't need that. That we do not need.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, I, I saw this happening a while ago just because I started missing all of the kinds of movies that I liked going back 15, 20 years ago of, you know, like, just like, characters and situations talking like we don't have anything that's not genre like a horror film or a marvel film anymore unless it's a big uh, like a-list adaptation that's awards bait but we don't have anything in between
0: no you're right and i think that that and i
1: think some of that stuff even if it would happen would land on a streamer and sort of not even get the big publicity blitz but I don't even think that's happening there
0: I mean do you I mean it feels like and I and kind of understandably so right like the studios are kind of belt tightening because their model just during the pandemic just went out the window right like it Mm -hmm. was just Mm -hmm. You know, this this is this is how we make money. We have big opening weekends. You know, like that was
1: Yeah. And then everything goes money. away and something else has a big opening weekend. Right,
0: right. And maybe we'll make our money back like once we get foreign rights set- Like one you know, <laughs> the foreign rights and then we make our money back. But this is how we make our money is we make our money on opening weekends and then during the pandemic suddenly you don't have opening weekends and so now everything is kind of like reset. So in but I think that this is this was even happening before that because
1: it predates the pandemic. It predates it the pandemic,
0: you know, um but you know the, the but because of this model there is like this safety there was a safety thing because they needed to make that money that opening weekend. And so the safe thing is put something up that everybody definitely wants to see right you know i i wonder i often wonder could almost famous have been made now probably not it
1: wouldn't be no
0: that was a small like it's a small film that did big money at the box office because it was so well done and it really tapped into the zeitgeist it really it just tapped into something and everybody loved it but could it have happened now? I don't think. I don't think so. I think it would have gone like you know straight to Hulu, right? No. Uh.
1: Yeah. Probably. And, you know, here's another one. I don't think would have had a, a theatrical release if it got made at all. Brokeback Mountain.
0: Nope. would Yep. I agree. I absolutely um, agree with that. These like I aren't mean, that you old.
1: Could, you could start tossing these aren't even that old
0: these aren't that old i mean yeah well i mean unless i'm old but like i don't feel like these are that old you know like so when did this when did this happen when did this sort of like oh we can't do anything like unique and did this happen when marvel finally like gave up their catalog
1: i think that's the i think that's the biggest shift i think it started the beginning of the 21st century with lord of the rings and harry potter and then as we had more concepts like the Twilights and Hunger Games and stuff like that, um, those 10, and X-Men also, I shouldn't leave out. Yeah, like, X-Men.
0: Those, yeah.
1: those all started to dominate. And it was also like, this is where your talent goes, whether they have come from the stage, whether they have come from TV, whether they have done non action blockbusters or anything, as they climb the ranks now, this is how you reward them and this is what we train our audiences to see them in. Because, you know, Alyssa and I talk about it now. Now that Marvel rules the world and Disney Plus exists, every single actor, like, the next step on the food chain is you get a Marvel movie
0: whether you belong there,
1: whether you have anything to do with it, like whether you are the right chemistry read for it or the right look or whatever, like (laughs) this is what your representation is banking on you getting next. You won an Oscar. We're going to give you a Disney plus show. You just won an Emmy for this popular comedy. You're going to be on the next star Wars spinoff, that sort of thing, which is money in the bank for everyone, but that's the whole bank. And that's the problem. Right, right, right.
0: So I don't know. I just kind of got. But me I don't thinking. see how that. I
1: don't see how that would ever reverse. I think the answer had been for a long time. Well, you really just can't turn to movies anymore for, you know, the diversity of quality and entertainment. You really are finding that in TV and on streaming and stuff like that. And there are a thousand options now across TV and streaming and peak TV, schmeek TV, whatever. Um, <laughs> but I also think like the quality there is subpar because everything is just such a rush and such a numbers game to get stuff out of there. Um, that I like, I don't think there's, there's good stuff with good people. I don't think there's a lot of great stuff going around. You know, we talked about TV a little bit and I mentioned like four or five high points from a season that had like 800 options to choose from. Cause so much of it is really still now turned out for TV. Also, interestingly, and sorry, I know you're about to say something, but it may or may not sort of tie in the new economic models. Sydney Sweeney, who is a double Emmy nominee for The White Lotus and for Euphoria, you know, she is also taking on a bunch of endorsements. She does Laneige. I don't know how you say it. um, The makeup line. She's like. I can't afford to go without any work and I have to do endorsements on top of that just to pay for the team that gets me the work because now that everything is streaming, yeah. there's no residuals anymore. So yeah. all of the older performers who could count on you know, getting money from reruns and later VHS and DVD distribution deals from the 70s, 80s, 90s, etc., those Benefits don't exist anymore.
0: Well, that's what Scarlett Johansson went to court about. Oh, when
1: she, about, um,
0: because she uh, had she the back end. Yeah. 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 You know, and, and the and back
1: end was taken away from her. Yeah. And there goes the back end. Yeah.
0: And there goes the back end. No, it, it is definitely affecting um, the payday of talent, you know, because they don't, you can't do a back end deal anymore. You can't do, a percentage of box office because what box office right like um it is definitely yeah, yeah, leading the in the money just isn't there and if you don't have which i didn't realize they don't get residuals on the streaming like you would think that they would write in some sort of deal where a certain amount of streams you get some you get you get residuals from the amount of like you get rewarded like i think this is the thing right you need to be rewarded um if a project is good and the reward comes I would have thought now more than paid. ever that
1: all the entertainment lawyers in the world knew exactly how to negotiate for all of those points and all of those deals and it Apparently sounds like not. maybe they don't.
0: Yeah. I mean it was I I was listening to a podcast with um with uh, Jason Jason Blum is that his name Blumhouse? No, Blumhouse yeah Jason. Yeah. And he was sort of talking a bit about the model, so that I could kind of like get a better, you know, idea and kind of understand it.
1: You make it sound like he was talking directly to you.
0: He totally was. Great. Um, that's the great thing about podcasts—you really feel like the person is
1: talking <laughs> directly to you. I hope you guys feel the same. I
0: know. Um, but he was talking about—he was explaining the deal. He was explaining the way that streaming works because he was talking in context to why he doesn't take the deal with streaming and he goes to um and he has like whatever private financiers that um put the money together he puts the money together he produces his own shit um and he sends it to film and he doesn't do it all the time right he does do some things on streaming and he's like because streaming just gives you a big chunk of money they're like we want this and here's the money and it's usually like good money because Netflix used to have deep pockets and they were willing to pay a lot of money right. for what they were getting. And I remember it it was driving the TV and and film studios crazy because they couldn't can't compete with the amount of money that Netflix was throwing at talent to like Participate, okay. which is why you see like Nicole Kidman is all over Hulu because Hulu had the deep pockets, right? Yep. To give to her to, to pay for yeah. this.
1: I mean, look at the stars that Apple TV is able to. Right, open. right.
0: But it's one and done. So, like, you know, he basically said if you're an actor and you need money right away because you need to pay your rent or something like yeah. that, you're going to take the streaming deal because you get money in your pocket. But like, if you can wait, if you can hold off. Like, for him, a lot of, like, you know, his horror titles are way more lucrative for him to release it in theaters and not just because he's leaving money on the table. If he tells streaming people, sure, take this, because he can make so much more through, through, like, you know, through the, through the film distribution instead of streaming. It was a fascinating conversation. Yeah, I could see that. It was very interesting. And he's a very interesting character, for sure. And he was just talking about how he makes decisions, you know, about that, like, based on the project. So it was like, well, um, I can't remember what TV series he, he was talking about that he made that he sold to streaming, but he was like, in that instance it made perfect sense to go in streaming because this is the goal that I had. So he's like kind of approaching everything very strategically. And he's sort of looking at it project by project. And it's not this blanket, I'm all in on streaming or I'm all in on the movies. And I kind of feel like... Smart. yeah. It's smart. Yeah, I think it's really smart. But he's also really small in comparison. Right. yes. And so he can be more nimble.
1: That's correct. Yeah, you're absolutely right
0: about that. And, and he also has relationships with this talent where he's apparently sort of working, like he's working with Ethan Hawke and he sort of goes to Ethan Hawke and he says, well, we got offered this deal or we can keep doing this on our own. And these, this is our potential on, you know, on the other side and, you know, income potential on the other side. And what do you think we should take? And so he's actually, I guess, having these conversation with like stakeholders as well. So it's not just him sort of like mm-hmm. making these decisions and in like this dictatorial man, you know, fashion. Um, anyway it was really interesting.
1: Yeah, sounds it.
0: Yeah, it was very interesting. Yeah, Things I don't have I
1: have no other answers. I don't know how anyone will will survive and how everyone's going to ride it out, but
0: Well, I mean, but you have I've...
1: to look for the inspiration. It's not automatically going to be on a movie screen.
0: Right. And you know, and it's just it's just a f- I I just sort of look at this like growing pains, right? It's just a fundamental shift. Um, in how we do business. And everybody's got to kind of work it out, right? Like they've got to work out what this looks like. I mean, I think it is colossally unfair that we still have, um, you know, celebrities that are going to get the bulk of the money because their names are, you know, drivers. Um, Because I think that we've seen in plenty of instances where movies and TV shows take off Without big stars attached, mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. think Succession, for example, is is a very good example of this. As much as I love Brian, um, and want to say he's famous, he's not. He was not. He was not. Right. He was not really a household name.
1: No, it wasn't a star vehicle. For him. It
0: was not a star. He was very well known in the industry. It was really hard to find that breakout role for him, yeah. and this turned into that. You know, and it was almost like the perfect storm, because even if he had, right, even if he had a big movie and he was the star and he did really great work, the movie studios always brought in somebody more famous. And that's where the lion's share of attention and interest would go. And so Succession almost leveled the playing field where they're all actors who were probably varying degrees known, probably the same as him. Like, you only knew them if you were, like, really new the industry. Yeah, I don't
1: think the any of them were household names. Yeah. Which is what we're talking about in terms of, like, a star-driven thing. Yeah, I think what you find more and more often is whether these works have some celebrities attached to them or not, it's really the concept. It's really... It's the plot, it's the story, it's the gimmick, it's the premise mm-hmm. that that is luring people in and keeping them or not. Look at Abbott and, Elementary.
0: And then the delivery. Yeah.
1: And that'll and keep the them. That'll keep them. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah. You need to hook them and then what's gonna keep them? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think that um you know, I think that we're definitely in a sort of reckoning and a sort of transition. But you know, I always think back and I'm like, you know what, this happened in the music industry with streaming. Um And I always kind of look to the music industry because everything seems to happen there first. Yeah. Um, You know, and it really upended the model. Um, Could this potentially lead to more independent work being done and being shown and potentially breaking out? Might?
1: It could. It could. You know, I just worry that then there's a bunch that get lost in the shuffle for everyone that really succeeds and stands out because they have no safety net, but, but we'll see. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe some of the right things really do get to emerge better.
0: Um, I mean, perhaps. Anyway, that's my soapbox.
1: No, I share your space on the soapbox. I also think we've talked so long and so well on this topic between that and coming from Stranger Things. I think we're good. There's okay. a couple other things I could talk about. I might as well just save them till next week. Guys, I'm keeping you in suspense.
0: Oh, yeah. And I'll save mine till next week, too. Geez, I didn't yeah. realize that we'd been yakking for this long. We're
1: suspense. I Holy know. Holy shit. That's, that's the sign of really brilliant conversation, Karen. Oh, that's God, what that we're is. We're brilliant. So smart.
0: We're brilliant. Oh, my God. Okay, I got to go to bed. I All right. Day tomorrow.
1: It is time. Good night and good luck, as they say. Thank you. All right, you guys, take care. We'll see you next week on Hollywood Boulevard. Bye.